Welcome, everyone, to DC Comics News Podcast number 66. Hopefully, we can give you a bit of enjoyment and lift your mood a little bit in these days of being in your house. Uh, with me today is uh, Kelly Gaines. Hey, Brad. Hey. And Seth Singleton. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing great, Brad. Doing great, Kelly. Glad to be with you all. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it's a big week for news, so let's just jump right in. Uh, we've got some news, finally, uh, that San Diego Comic-Con has given us an update on what they're doing uh, as far as the coronavirus is concerned. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? Yeah, so it looks like for now it's not canceled, which is really good. I know... I mean, if, if people are like me, you just want something to look forward to at this point. So, good. I mean, July, hopefully by then everything will be back to normal. So, I, I guess we'll see. But nothing's canceled yet. So, all right. Good news. Seth? I, uh, I love the optimism there, especially because... I'm going to be 100% honest. When I looked at this story and I was listening to Brad's question, I was like, <clears throat> so the news is we have no news. Um, <laughs> and and I appreciate that, you know, they, they're letting us know as they go. But with, with such an uncertainty, even no news is, is like a good thing. You know, like we find ourselves going like, hey, they didn't cancel. It's an announcement that's not a cancellation. Bonus, thumbs up, like everybody sort of smiles, like, whew, that's good news, you know, and and I, I'm thankful for it as well. And another part of me goes, yeah, but it's basically saying we'll keep you updated. And that's great, but there's a part of me that just wants to, you know, hear something more and know that it's not possible right now. So I, I just appreciate the fact that we can take this sort of uplifted joy from it. Brad, how about you? Yeah, I, I did get a little bit of... Um joy i guess <laughs> out of the story as well uh you know with a pinch of realism um you know it's it's at that start that point in the year where things could be open and they still may not be so it's i think it's kind of good that they didn't just pull the plug or put it until the fall that they kind of kept it in the summer uh and i just hope that you know i hope that everything goes goes well and we can you know that they can open that up and actually have it on those dates um yeah and you know i like you know seth like you said it's kind of a waiting game at this point we don't exactly we're still in this big unknown phase but hopefully july is far enough out that they can make this happen and it's kind of good in a sense too because everything came to a screeching halt and when things open up you're still going to need to get the economy going, but everything's not going to go from zero to 60 right away. So it's kind of good to keep Comic-Con in July right now so that it can it can help kickstart the economy. Because I know that Comic-Con is very important for the economy of San Diego. So, uh, you know, as far as that goes, that's that's kind of nice, too, that hopefully that can be one of the highlights when everything starts getting back to normal. And moving on to um, movie news, we had some uh, some news uh, that the Shazam 2 filming schedule has been kind of confirmed. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? <laughs> yeah, this is another one of those 
maybe okay sort of situations, it seems like. So um, they're going to start filming this year. As far as when this year, they're not positive. But still, it's it's good to hear this year. They're not, you know. And I thought it was interesting also that they said um, that part of the issue is being worried that kids are going to age out of being interested in Shazam before you know, Shazam 2 actually kicks off, which I know we've talked about with the book a lot, that if you miss that key window, right, when people are are really interested and fascinated by something, then it can be a lot harder to actually bring in the customers you would have had before. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that they get to stay on at least roughly the schedule they initially planned. But even even this, if it's in 2020, that's something. We're at least getting somewhere. Seth? We are getting somewhere where exactly I I'm not going to try and measure at all. It, it gets really confusing. And I understand that with each of these stories, there's a ideology that each group is going to sort of take on. Um, I recently saw this in a couple of headlines where it was like the NFL says season should be starting normal time. And then like not more than an hour or two passes and California's governor Newsom says, no, I think that would be highly unlikely considering the 80,000 fans in California and all these other (laughs) factors that I I put into play. And you, you have to sort of see how things look to you and then build a, a framework around it. And part of that is how long do we think this is going to go? Let's, go with a date we can all feel comfortable about and then try and plan around it. Uh, I do love the fact that there's this one sort of recognition like, hey, we do know we can work on the script right now. Like Everybody always complains things are moving too fast. You never have time to make adjustments to the script when things. Well, guess what? Now we have one of those opportunities. So that was a really nice high note for me. The fact that maybe they can take advantage of, you know, sort of spinning this thing on its head or putting it in a funny angle, pulling out one of those kaleidoscope kind of cool mirror thingies and and see what else could happen that they didn't consider originally with uh, with the script. Brad, how about you? Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, w- this won't be too much of a delay. Uh, and I'm hoping kind of that the first movie had enough of a reputation that uh, even if kids age out of it, they'll still be interested enough to go and, and see it. And um, yeah, I just, I hope that uh, this is something that can get back on track quick. And, you know, I agree too that they can have this time to really fine tune the script and things like that and really get, get it to a point where they, they're really happy with it and can just kind of hit the ground running. So uh, fingers crossed, because I'm I'm looking forward to this movie. So, and I like the idea of it being released the way it is uh, with Black Adam, and I hope that doesn't have to change uh, as well. And we also uh, got some uh, bad news. Uh, Andrew Jack, who uh, is a dialogue coach on the Batman, uh, Matt Reeves' Batman has passed away due to coronavirus. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? Yeah, that's, um, it's the tragic and the very realistic, uh, realistic reality. I mean, this is the reality of the coronavirus, and it's really unfortunate. Um, 
you know, my heart goes out to his family. And especially it's, I think it's said that uh, his wife is also a dialect coach. So it's, I mean, that, that must be just such a, I don't know, it's such a kind of somber place to be in right now, especially considering that they did um, shut down production to kind of protect people. But unfortunately, this is something that affects us, not just at work, but everywhere you are in life. Um, so yeah, my, my heart definitely goes out to his family. Seth? My, my immediate just thoughtful condolences. You know, I feel like this is something where Steve would have that amazingly flowery way of suggesting, you know, from all of us here and heartfelt remorse. All I can think of is, um, I'm so sorry for your loss, Miss Rogers. Um, it's a heartbreaking idea. And what strikes me the most right now is Kelly, you brought up last time that this was something that was striking close to home for you as well. And for everyone who has a personal story like that, it feels like it can it can radiate so far out from the people it immediately affects. And then there's sort of a limit to how much further it can extend beyond that. I mean, granted, the story of the person you knew um, became sort of a, a bigger headline um, just because of how early it was and the circumstances surrounding uh, the family um, and how it was impacted by the virus. This, I think, creates an even greater range because of how many people have seen him in film, had an opportunity to be affected uh, by his performance. I actually didn't register when my wife first told me that the shot that I saw, it was like a still shot of him uh, on the rebel base. And I saw it and I glanced and I thought, oh, I think I know who he is. And then later I saw another headline and it was him from, it was his scene in Rise of Skywalker where he stands up and walks out of the trench uh, or not Rise of Skywalker, sorry, Last Jedi, where he gets out of the trench and they're in the, the salts and it's this final ending scene and he sort of stands up and he's got binoculars. And when I saw that, I went, hey, it's the guy. And she's like, I told you that. And I'm like, hey, I I, I missed that. But the moment I, I saw that, it was just sort of like an impact resonated with me of, wow, that guy had such an iconic moment in that film. And then to read so much more about who he was, that he taught the actor who played Finn how to speak with an American accent and pull it off. And that he was married to a dialect coach who really just lovely words. You know, her post says, Andrew was full of life. He was tall and striking with flowing white hair. You wouldn't miss him if he walked into a room. We lost a man today. Um, and it, he was in no pain. He slipped away peacefully, knowing that his family were all with him. It's a really touching, heartbreaking tribute. And I'm not trying to bring it all down with that, but it was it was a really sweet gesture that also, I think, importantly, as you, you pointed out, hits home the idea of there's a, a severity to this. For some people, it's the boredom of sitting in home, feeling like it doesn't impact you. And then there's stories like this. Where if you saw this movie, if you saw this person on the screen, you saw what they did, you know how powerful that moment was and how we don't get to have those moments anymore because of this loss. Um, really difficult, really heartbreaking story. Brad, um, I'm going to stop. It's your turn, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you both hit on something uh, that it, it brings it home. It you know, even though it's it's all impacted us, 
this things like stories like this really really do bring home that the human cost of what is what is happening and it and it's a shame um you know he i'm very thankful that he was able to know that his family was there and given the circumstances everybody got to say goodbye and it's just it's uh it is it's just really heartbreaking um and from what I can tell, he had a really amazing career, like you were mentioning, working on the Star Wars films as well as the Batman. And, uh, you know, it's just there's there's not much you can say other than, you know, our hearts are with his family and friends uh, at this incredibly difficult uh, moment right now. It's just uh, it's, it's just really hard. So, guys, just stay safe out there. And we also got on uh, lighter news, we got a uh, trailer for the Lego DC Shazam Magic Monsters. Uh, Kelly, what did you think of this? I, this, I mean, yeah, definitely a lighter note. I love the idea of the Legos, Lego movies. I haven't seen a ton of them, but I do know that if I was still a kid, I was obsessed with Legos. If I was still a kid, I would be all about these movies and it's also good you know tying back to the fact that shazam might have to change their filming schedule it might not come out on time this at least keeps that sort of public eye on shazam as a character or as even a franchise um which is is good for for the whole industry and especially considering that um this it looks like it's going to go straight to dvd blu-ray and digital release which skips that whole middleman of what are we doing about theaters and the movies that are supposed to come out and whatnot. Um, so yeah, this, this is just a fun looking movie and God, I wish I was 10. <laughs> Seth. You know, that's pretty much something I might wish on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did love so much of what you brought up the idea that while we might not get to have a live action Shazam film, you know, we get a chance to have a Shazam story and we get to see Black Adam with all of his grimness. And uh, we get the, uh, you know, we get the Monster Society. We have the opportunity to, I mean, come on, man, we get we get Sean Astin like <laughs> there's a there's a great thing about getting the guy who played Bob from Stranger Things and who I remember from Goonies and, you know, toy soldiers and a, a ton of stuff, you know, in between and Sino Man, you name it. Um, there's something about the sort of wonder and exuberance that Sean Astin brings. So that 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 had me right there. Also, Jessica Cruz as the Green Lantern. Now, I admit, Kelly, I haven't seen a lot of these movies either, but I was immediately struck with the fact that I thought, that's the Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz. That's so awesome. I mean, I've become such a fan of her in the Justice League Odyssey storyline. Before that, I was already impressed, but what they're doing with her in Justice League Odyssey and where her potential can now, you know, sort of expand to is just I'm really excited for so getting a chance to see her as a Lego character I was like I, I might have to actually dig into one of these and, and figure out what all the you know hullabaloo is um, but this was a really nice way to I mean as I was going through the story list the last story was just kind of like oh man don't cry just don't cry on 
you know, recording. Don't bring everybody else down. Don't make other people cry. This makes me laugh or I think to myself, see, now Kelly giggles. So I think to myself, like, okay, if I can see Brad giggles too, now I can think to myself, like, you know what? There's a childish part of you that's wanting things like this. And it's kind of like when Shazam finally comes out, I feel like stuff like this is going to help keep the hunger alive that we're not going to be asking ourselves if certain projects are going to do as well as we hoped. We're going to be so hungry for new material to be out amongst our friends to celebrate the way we did before that I, I think we're going to be driven to experience as much of that as possible. And then we'll probably get a little gluttonous from it and then we'll sort of find our balance again. But stuff like this, this is going to keep the hunger going. It's like that little great snack, like a Snickers bar. And then like 30 minutes later, you're hungry again. This is going to be perfect. Just Great eye candy, fun stories, actors I love, characters I can't wait to see on. Uh, somebody stop me. Brad, you got this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with the Jessica Cruz thing. I thought that was a really cool uh, little cool bonus on this. Because uh, I, re- I really like that character, too. So it's kind of cool to see her in Lego form. And how cool did she look in Lego? I thought she yeah. looked so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she did. And as far as the being 10 thing, Yes, but that's one of the things that I love about these Lego movies is that even adults can laugh at the humor. Like, you know, so I I think that there's something for everybody in these. And I think that that's that's kind of what makes me excited is that I know that I'm going to probably laugh a lot during this. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that it is something that can it's one of those things that can help us come together and you know uh, so yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of excited for this one i'm kind of hoping that at some point it'll come to uh dc universe streaming service but uh we we shall see okay and with that we're going to take a little bit of a break and pay some bills and uh, we will return with some tv streaming and comic book news so stick around and we'll be right back This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. 
And welcome back to episode 66 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I am your host today, Brad Flicky, and with me is the wonderful Kelly Gaines and the wonderful Seth Singleton. So, moving on, let's go into our TV and streaming news. Uh, first up is a uh, another very, very sad story. Uh Flash actor Logan Williams has passed away at just 16 years old. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? This is so unbelievably sad. Um, I it, I didn't see anything listing a cause of death. Not that, you know, that makes it any less sad and tragic. Um, yeah, this is just another, you know, my I have the deepest sympathy for their family. This has to be the hardest. Uh, I, I don't even I don't have words for this kind of thing. I can't imagine losing, you know, a, a close loved one so young um, and such a talented actor, too. I he was in Supernatural, which I forgot about until, you know, reading this article. Um, yeah, this just is terribly sad and unfortunate. Um, Seth? This one's really hard as well. I think uh, the one thing that I've heard that comes to mind immediately is how no parent should ever have to bury a child or witness the passing of one. And in this case, you lose a child who was gifted, who had already begun to show uh, sparks of brilliance on screen, who was recognized by elders and peers um, for professionalism talent um and a measured and recognizable sense of loss for not only them but for the family and and you know i thought it was a very heartfelt and thoughtful statement also from the show star grant gustin you know just offering that people keep the family in uh in our thoughts and prayers which i think is something that can also be uh extended to uh an earlier story as well with with everyone, if you get a chance to, you know, I have this funny idea in my head that immortality exists because we remember things. And the more things that are remembered about somebody, the greater their immortality can sort of extend. So every time you watch someone perform, read someone's works, uh, witness a character, uh, tell a story about someone you knew that you keep their memory alive and therefore you extend their immortality. I love the fact that if you get the chance to go back and watch his performance, whether it's on The Flash or Supernatural, I think, and you can choose to agree or not, that you have an opportunity to uh, continue that immortality. So uh, if I can ever take a, a thoughtful um, hopeful feeling away from stories like that. It's knowing that their performances captured the way they are, are immortalized, and we bring them back to life every time we view them. Uh, Brad, how about you, my friend? Yeah, this is something that uh, it's kind of beyond words. Uh, I just, my heart breaks for his parents. You know, like we're saying, nobody should have to bury a child. It's just, that's the worst thing that I think a person can uh, experience and it's just such a shame and he was a gifted actor and it's 
just, you know, one of those things that we'll never really understand. But, you know, you're right, though, with these performances, he does have a sense of immortality now. And it's just, uh, yeah, my heart just aches for his family. That's just what I keep coming back to. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just, just awful. <sighs> uh but we have other news. Um, we learned that Barbara Gordon is confirmed for the new season of Titans. Kelly, what do you think of this? Yeah, um, I, I'm excited. I love Barbara Gordon as a character. And whether she's in as Batgirl or Oracle um, or just as Barbara Gordon, I mean, no matter what, Barbara Gordon is one of my favorite DC superheroines. And it's funny that she I mean for the most part when we think of um you know a superhero's real name it's such a small part or their you know civilian name it's such a small part of their identity when you think of um you know Wonder Woman as Diana Prince or uh Clark Kent as Superman the big thing that stands out to us tends to be that mantle that they carry but with Barbara Gordon I mean for me she doesn't even have to be Batgirl she can just be Barbara Gordon and she's still a superhero, which is, I, I mean, just a fantastically written and sort of um, contained character. But yeah, I'm excited. I really, really want to see what it is that they do with her and Titans. Seth? Also excited as well. I think this is a, a really nice way to turn the corner on our, our stories today and talk about a great addition and the possibilities of how we'll get to see uh, Barbara Gordon portrayed. I love the fact that there's a, a degree of mystery available for us because you know her as Batgirl, as Oracle, or as the daughter of Commissioner Gordon. And through all of those, there's also this amazing person who embodies each one of those personas and is so driven. I've really enjoyed the recent Batgirl stories. I've really liked her sort of identification with a neighborhood in Gotham and how we can maybe see uh, that part of Gotham as a juxtaposition to, you know, some of those ideas we'll, we'll, we're going to continue to get from Batman as he's portrayed on the show or Dick Grayson, uh, who spent so much time there as Robin and will maybe now as, as Nightwing. But there's this, there's this viewpoint that Barbara brings, which is, really valuable and i think she's also going to be this amazing balance that sort of intellectual challenge of the conversation was really interesting um i like the way that it was sort of just rolled in like oh yeah so we're gonna do it here you go you know it's really not a lot of build-up in fact it was like did we miss anything are we oh yeah we've been at this for almost like two hours and 40 minutes by the way we have to do this reveal here's the reveal <laughs> and it was sort of off the cuff you know like when you listen to it like Okay, um, you're just sort of leaving the imagination to just us, which is great because we can run in 50 directions and it'll be so much fun. But I, I sort of enjoyed the fact that it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to have Barbara, Barbara Gordon. Yeah, Barbara. Yeah, look forward to that. Check it out. And you're like, ah, oh, what? <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I can I can hype it up and amp it up in my head and with you guys with very little prodding. I, I think overall, what I love is that Barbara has this drive. We'll get to talk about another, you know, telling of her story later on. But seeing how Barbara is portrayed here and getting a chance to sort of 
witness that in a live action setting it i mean i always thought batgirl had won the coolest costume back in the old batman tv series with uh adam west and burt ward i thought it was just so smooth and i thought she was so much smarter like there was just this like perception where it was just like how are you guys you know it's like in the shows whenever the guy realizes that there's a couple and he goes oh i wonder how long that's been going on and the, the lady who's like so much smarter looks over like really you simply have no clue. And I feel like Barbara does that with so much that she's just going to be checking everybody. And that's that's going to be a lot of fun for me. Uh, I've been yammering. Brett. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's so much possibility for this character. There's There's been so many kind of phases that she has been in in the comics. And, and many people know her between Batgirl and Oracle and which one are we going to get? Are we going to get a little bit of all three somehow throughout the course of the show? Um, yeah, it's very interesting. She seems a, a, a perfect choice to bring in since we've already had, you know, Nightwing and Robin, the perfect uh, Bat family member to bring into the show. I think it'll be a perfect fit. So I'm kind of very curious to see uh, where they go and I'll be, looking for other news stories that I'm sure we'll be talking about over the next, you know, over the next few months about this. So yeah, welcome aboard. And moving on, we did get release dates for new episodes of the CW DC shows. Uh, Kelly, what'd you think of this? I'm glad. I, I think I'm very relieved. Um, just again, people are stuck inside bored not a whole lot to do. And the fact that there's new content coming out in April is uh, hopefully it seems like kind of a a blot of light on the horizon for people because it's I, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but the month of April seemed so daunting to me by the end of March. And I'm I mean, Brad, you and I are both, you know, April babies. And even yeah. it's like, <laughs> you know, all week people are like, what are you doing for your birthday? And I'm like, it's the same thing I've been doing for every other day. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Doing nothing. But yeah. yeah, this is I it's great that they're kind of peppering these throughout the rest of the month. Um, I did notice they said they hadn't mentioned anything about Stargirl's release in May, although to be fair, we have almost six weeks or so until that, you know, estimated release date. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully that's still on track in a sense. And even if they don't have the season finales filmed yet, at least new stuff is coming out. There's something for fans to actually watch and kind of absorb. Um, And again, just more entertainment, more stuff to do to keep you from going crazy in your house. Seth, what do you think? (laughs) Please help us keep us from going crazy. (laughs) Stop us. Just do something. Tell us no. You know, and and not in a sort of, you know, punitive way. No smacking with the rulers. Give us give us treats. And with that, we have this extended rationed selection of dates. And I think it's a really smart move. They knew a little while back when they announced they were stopping production, they weren't going to air new episodes immediately, that they had one or two still in the can that they could dish out. So the fact that they know that giving people a little bit of relief, being that blot of sunshine, as Kelly so aptly described it, uh, for people to sort of lift their heads up and and look up to. uh, Really, really smart, thoughtful, hopeful. And as Kelly pointed out as well, who cares if there's not a finale right now? Give people a little bit more and then figure out what you have to do 
once we know a little bit more. Right now, you have something that you can sort of stretch out and fans and viewing audiences and those of us fighting to, you know, do all those things that are personified with crazy are thankful that we have at least one more small reprieve. Brad? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, at this point, you know, we're so in the unknown, the unknown. Whenever we get things like concrete dates like this, it's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, even though this has really nothing to do with going out or having something outside to do, but it's still, it shows that the machine is still moving. And those things kind of cheer me up a bit. So I was happy to see that these did get release dates. Uh, and, you know, stand by, we'll get those season finales eventually. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that these do have dates. And we also got some other news moving right along uh, that Dylan Walsh is cast as General Sam Lane for the Superman and Lois uh, TV show. Kelly, what do you think of this? I mean, I'll be honest, I am, I would say, completely unfamiliar with Sam Walsh. Um, but yeah, it's again, this is like you were saying, this is something else that proves the machine is still going. People are still being cast in things. You know, there's still stuff happening <laughs> and and definitive things like this announcement so yeah i mean i best of luck to him i wish i was a little bit more familiar uh seth i think this is a really fun thing to uh, experience for us i don't know anything about dylan walsh i don't watch blue bloods i uh, <laughs> admit that comfortably kelly is you know thankful that i am also with her as i am thankful she is with me on this one which is yeah we just don't know um however if i can point to a thing that i do dig on this which is that i one just dated myself by saying dig and two, um, there's something about Sam Lane, whether you think of him as the super spy, as he's recently appeared in different stories or more recently in Leviathan, or simply as the general who happens to be your girlfriend, wife's father. Um, that makes for some really interesting storytelling. Oh, yeah. Did I mention he hates Superman? So I think all of that will provide some really great fodder for the first season. Um, guess who's coming to dinner, all sorts of different stuff like that, you know, that you can sort of play with this idea of the tension between uh, Lois and her dad and whether or not Clark in his persona as Clark Kent sticks up for Superman and where that can create some, you know, fun familial tension. So I, I like the casting. I like the decision. Um, more I like the casting because I like the idea of the character. I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not the casting adds up. But I also like the fact that he's from a police procedural show. So that probably should translate somewhat to uh, a military role like playing a general. After that, I'm just riffing. Brad, how about you, my friend? Uh, I'm probably showing my age here. Uh, but I, ha I am familiar with Dylan Walsh because he was in Nip Tuck. And if you guys haven't seen that, it's probably streaming on Hulu through FX. It was crazy. It was about uh, plastic surgeons in Miami. 
Uh, he was one of the stars, and I've liked him ever since then. And I haven't watched Blue Bloods either. I didn't even realize that he was in that show. But just from his time on Nip Tuck, um, I'm excited for this casting because he's he'll he'll be good. He'll bring a little bit of humanity to the role, and that might be what a role like uh, Sam Lane needs, uh, especially in the sense that he might be a villain so it, it will humanize him a little bit so yeah I, I i i'm i'm happy about this i kind of like this idea of him being in that show it'll be good for me to see him in another role because i, I haven't seen blue blood so yeah i'm definitely definitely all for it and guys yeah check out nip tuck and uh moving right along uh dc universe is hosting uh q a's uh, with Scott Snyder, uh, Sean Murphy, Joel Jones, Xavier Woods, and uh, probably others. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? This is a really great idea. Um, and it's funny, I think uh, DC Universe, whether they meant to do it or not, is so well tailored to the situation that we're in sort of as a global community right now. Um, except for the fact that they're not available in some other countries, as I, I know Steve would lament. Um but yeah, so they have, like, there's these ultimate binge watch playlists for different shows. There's one for Titans, there's one for Swamp Thing, where they play different content in between the episodes with interviews and stuff. Um, so having something like a live Q&A sort of bringing that, um, almost that convention experience home for people is a really, really good idea. And I kind of, I there's a little part of me just maybe trying to be optimistically psychic but hopefully this is, you know, if we do end up having to cancel more conventions and we end up not being able to kind of come back together as early as as everybody wants to, um, this is a good option for people who like to go to convention panels and want to sort of interact with the creators. Um, yeah, so this seems really, really cool. Seth? I agree that, you know, it's really unusual uh, serendipitous timing for DC to have all of this stuff happening right now and to be such a great focal point during either the boredom or the chaos or however you choose to define what's happening around you. But the fact that if you're indoors, how many great things are there? I mean, you already had uh, Scott Snyder and Xavier Woods. Uh, Joelle Jones is coming up next. Loved what was going on in Catwoman. Um, some really fun, crazy storytelling in there. And then Sean Murphy, who's White Knight, yeah, we need to, you know, get Steve on for some feedback on that, because I know it's something he's just been, you know, more than happy to talk about on a few episodes. And I've enjoyed reading it as well. So I would love to catch some of these. Hopefully I can put them on the calendar and, and not get interrupted by, I don't know, falling asleep, as I sometimes will do. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm, hey, if I'm the only one, that's that's fine. But if anybody else, is, yeah, I catch myself watching a show or reading and then passing out, which I would never do because I have to be somewhere, except now I don't have to be anywhere. Um, yeah. And plus, I'm a huge fan of naps, so I just love them. But if I can time my naps so I don't miss one of these, yeah, there's some great content on here, some great people I would love to hear from. Um, and man, in consideration of other stories we're going to be talking about as well, yeah, DC Universe, it's, uh, it's the place you want to check out. And Kelly, now you've just told me how after I'm done reading some stuff and just need to like, you know, tap out for a bit, there's a binge playlist 
that not only has episodes but content in which that sounds just oh, yeah. know, highly <laughs> addictive i i can totally blame you if you know i start getting yelled at for not doing stuff this is <laughs> awesome that not that i'll blame you completely i mean i'm complicit clearly but you know i can say that you know you planted the bad seed and you know there we go um you didn't but i could have gone that way brad how about you my friend yeah uh I yeah, that's one thing that the streaming services are really, uh, you know, coming to bat and bringing some really cool content. And this yeah, this content is is great. Um, and you know, people want to know what's going on with Scott Snyder and Sean Murphy, Jabal Jones, and you know, they, they, these are definitely people who are reading DC Comics at the moment are going to want to know what these people have to say. So. The choices of the people they're interviewing and, and having Q and A's with is really good. And uh, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's reason enough to have subscribed to DC Universe. So you know, definitely, I think this is something that's very cool, and people should definitely check out. And some more TV news: uh, Harley Quinn, uh, the animated series, is going to explore the romantic tension between Ivy and Harley. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? I'm kicking myself right now because I remember that, I believe it was it was yesterday, April 3rd, that the second season of Harley Quinn premiered, and I didn't watch it. And I had time. I definitely had time. I just totally forgot. Um, but I, I like this idea. Um, I would say that so far, in, yeah, at least in season one, um, they didn't really it's poison ivy so plant the seeds um for for that relationship just yet but the fact that they're going to start kind of prodding into it in season two i'm excited for um so far everything on harley quinn has been so true to the characters um and if you know they kind of spent season one building up the the foundation for their friendship and their kind of uh close connection as you know as just super villains trying to make it in the world um and then kind of move into season two with the more complex they're not romantic but actually very romantic sort of tension between each other that that'll be interesting um so i'm definitely excited and i will watch season two episode one probably right after this seth I'm uh, I'm probably going to be close behind you, Kelly. I recently finished up season one. There was a bit of a break where I didn't get a chance to the final episodes, um, mostly because when you live in a house with other people, sometimes you have to share that TV time. And it's like, oh, OK, we're all watching what? <clears throat> That's fine. That's exactly what I <laughs> wanted to watch as well. No, of course I didn't want anything else. Why would I suggest something that only I would enjoy? Um, <laughs> and watching the end of it, I realized how, how season one did exactly what I wanted it to do, which was to develop the independence of Harley, show her how to stand up for what he, she cares for, even when it means going up against a toxic boyfriend relationship that also is something that, you know, sounds like it's easy to just end, but real life shows that things like that are never that easy, no matter what the dynamics in the relationship are. It just, it's never easy. But season one ended so perfectly to set up. It showed that 
when there was a threat to Ivy, it was motivation for Harley to finally find a way to not only like make that final break, but also put more trust in Ivy than I think she's ever put in anyone else. And setting up for season two, I love the conversation they were talking about uh, that we was included with the story, which was the moment where one of the creators is saying, yeah, so second season becomes about what do I want? Um, I've been living my entire life for somebody else. Who is it for me now? And I love that it's not going to be an easy path to discovering that because while there's more than friendship involved with Ivy, Ivy's been busy with Kite Man. And one, it's hard for Ivy to explain, as has been demonstrated in more than one episode. And two, because it's not like Kite Man's a bad guy. You know, it's it's easy when Joker is your other half. People can just be like, dude, he's Joker. What what else do we need to we can list all the bad stuff, but it's pretty clear. Kite Man's just kind of, you know, not the coolest guy. And also working around that while trying to understand your feelings and what it means to have healthy relationship feelings. Season two is going to be a lot of great discoveries. And I think there's also going to be a lot of comedic timing where one person wants the other, but it can't happen. The other person wants the other, but it can't happen. When's it going to, will they, will they, Ross, Rachel? I think this could be a lot of fun for all of us. And it could make season three, one of those miraculous, okay, now we really get a chance to just sort of open the sails and see what happens. Brad, somebody save me, man. Sometimes I just ramble. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, this will definitely be fun. Uh, everything about the show has been so over the top and so well done that I, I don't see any reason why this wouldn't be the same. And there's a lot of different angles that they could approach this from, and they all could be pretty funny. And, uh, yeah, and that and that kite man is just the best kite man that uh, has ever been. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I, yes, I that, yeah, yeah. I, and I think that there, I think that it was bound to happen. I think that there was. It's pretty well established that there is uh, a little bit of uh, sexual tension between the two, romantic tension. So there's no reason why that this wouldn't come up at some point. And you can, I, I almost feel like you can almost see that they were hinting at it even in the first season so yeah it should be fun and check check out this show it is hilarious and it does not shy away from the obscure nerd humor uh definitely and yeah it's just it's just the best yeah there were a couple of more you know poignant references that they made regarding um monologues and some speeches clayface perhaps (laughs) demonstrating that where i was just like ooh nice deep (laughs) solid and not only that but it's also like a recent sort of flashback that you've seen in other pop culture material where i was like you know what i have seen somebody else reference that and that's a a really great scene really smart by the way i loved also this article uh just to wrap around to a couple of points that i would love to just get your thoughts on what about the idea that so one, we've got Kite Man as one kind of like a foil, right? He's just totally going to get in the way of whatever romantic interest Harley wants to start up with Ivy. But then on top of it, they're going to come across um, Barbara, who's dealing with a no man's land Gotham, and she's a student 
and that basically Gotham has been divvied up amongst the uh, the main villains, right? So hers is taken over. I think it's said by the Riddler sort of gang, and how she sort of like has an origin. But then also that we see Catwoman, and it turns out Catwoman for Poison Ivy is like Lady Gaga for those frenetic fans who love Lady <laughs> Gaga. Like she thinks she's cooler than cool and the best thing ever. And I love that idea of like, okay, you think Kite Man would be one sort of foil, but now you've got the other part where it's like. How many times is Harley going to see Catwoman do something so cool and go, I can't measure up to that. I'm I'm just not that smooth. I'm more punk rock. And if that's what Ivy loves, like, why is she going to want? You know what I mean? There's such rich material to mine there on top of, you know, the fact that also Batman's missing. Oh, <laughs> and the Jim Gordon thing. The fact that we finally <laughs> get to see him at his lowest point living with his daughter. Oh, and, and, poor Jim Gordon. <laughs> You're a good man, Jim Gordon. You're a good man. Um, and, and then we get a chance to see him sort of, as they mentioned, like the only reason they were allowed to make him look so bad is he's going to redeem himself. And apparently the, the cue is when he finally shaves, that's when we'll know he's back on track. But guys, just wanted to get your thoughts about those ideas, because from Barbara to Selena to, you know, the commissioner not really doing a, a commissioner sort of thing at the moment. What, what do you guys think about all that? Well, I'm excited because I just in general, I want to see more characters. I want to see how they interpret these characters on the show because they've all been so unique. Uh, the, the kite man, like I was saying, Jim Gordon, um, Bane. I, I mean, I love the Bane on this show. Uh, <laughs> and we get more of them. This one they said. They said he gets to like a bigger role. I love that. How did they make him adorable? How did yeah. that happen? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you don't know what kind of what they're gonna do with these characters. That I never would have thought that for Bane, you know. And it just it just it works. So I'm really excited to see how they interpret uh, uh, Catwoman and some of these other characters that they're bringing in for sure. I can't wait. I wish I I so wish that they would just dump all the episodes at once. Especially right now, because I would have—I I did watch the first episode. I would have watched all of them. Like I, I probably would have been done by now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. That's I um. I think watching this show, and I, I, there's so many parts of the show that have been just delightful to me that I, I forgot how again adorable Bane is because he just I think one of the hardest actual laugh out loud moments I've ever had was when he's doing that card trick at the the Legion of Doom party and and just messes yeah. it up and it, it says a word that I can't say on the show and it's just <laughs> watching that is hysterical and Jim Gordon I mean I'm rooting for him so hard he's such a, a lovable character but he is a mess that man needs to get it together the fact that Batman's just annoyed that he keeps calling him about his personal problems is oh god I love this show but I I yeah. do it, it'll be really interesting to see how because so far it's really been Ivy and Harley versus sort of the male-dominated Legion of Doom. And then Queen of Fables comes in and she's like, you know, psychotic. But <laughs> yeah. it's it's very much that kind of an us versus them thing. So to see Harley and Ivy both react to another, you know, female villain who's, you know, not not really the mold that we've seen so far will be a lot of fun. So I'm definitely excited for this season. 
Awesome. Thanks. That's really, yeah. I, <laughs> there's something about Bane, like when he was trying to get the henchmen and he's like, but what? I put it through HR. They said everything's fine. So the ball's in your court. And you're just like, oh my God, how did Bane suddenly become like this? What? This is just how I talk. Wow. Odd and the frozen yogurt stand. <laughs> Oh, this show's amazing. Uh, that and I'm gonna be honest. After at least one of these episodes, I was seriously craving a pretzel dog. Folks, if you're not watching, you need to be watching because it's just things like that, man. It's just things like that. Like, keep it up. We're gonna start doing a Harley Quinn podcast with all of us hopping in and saying, "Okay, so we all watched season one, episode one. Let's dig." And oh, two hours later, so like, fun. we have it to turn. It, it would take so long to get through examining every single joke because it's almost right. like it's almost like Thirty Rock. They throw so much at you at once that you're like trying to like absorb it, and more jokes are coming in, and it's just yeah, it's just so much. You know fun. what episode kills me? The one where um, uh, Harley has Damien as as her nemesis, and that whole talk yeah, show yeah. and scene with Superman, and he, 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 I mean, I'll spoil this one joke, he smashes through the wall and says, I have to stop doing that with my mouth open, and it's just like, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous nonsense. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that was, that was quite lovely. I mean, everything is said that, you know, they, they sort of had a good, a good go at Aquaman. I mean, every time a character <laughs> pops up, um, more recently, as you get into one of the storylines, when the Justice League shows up, <laughs> and oh. the first sort of just sort of like one and two back and forth between Harley and Superman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a there's a joy in watching these amazing characters who you love because of all the wonderful heroic qualities they embody. Get taken down just a notch by somebody who's like, oh, yeah, spit in your eye. What do you got? Like, it's Batman really going, are we on live with Tawny? Like, he knows this show. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I, I know I took this out of on a tangent there. But thanks, guys. That was fun to just sort of finish for a minute. Yeah. Uh, all right, Brad, get us back on track. Yeah, all right. So let's jump into the comic book news. Uh looks like some comic professionals are banding together uh, to highlight and bring attention to comic book shops that have managed to stay open during uh, during the this pandemic. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, this is a fantastic idea. Um, and I know personally, actually, I've been in in my productive moments have been like you know what I, sh I should find somewhere around me that's still delivering comics now I know I can check out this list and hopefully find something in my area but yeah this is a really good idea um and one of the things that I think I keep noticing about the comic book industry as a whole is that people are really taking the initiative to keep things going like it it's very I don't know if I've seen this so much in a lot of um you know, just a lot of other news about other sort of forms of entertainment where it's really there's a very personal effort on on the part of creators and store owners and fans to sort of push this forward and, you know, keep us keep our heads above water. Um, yeah, this this is a great idea. And I can't wait to check out the list a little bit more in depth. Seth. I agree with you, Kelly. I've really actually struggled um, trying to find out who's still offering because it can be such a day-to-day -day 
week to week experience with shops as they, you know, try and handle things. Um, I know one of the shops that you'll hear me say a lot because it's my local um, Cape and Cow. They've even begun uh, offering up uh, gift certificates that you can buy in advance. And they let you know that right now those gift certificates are going towards employee salaries. Like it, it is personal. There is a feeling that these these shops know. Brad, you've actually done a really wonderful job of pointing this out, and I know you've mentioned it in relationship to DC, but I think it's um, something that can be extended to the rest of comics. We have really enjoyed a an age. Uh, you called it a golden age. Uh, I'm not going to get into any argument with any purist out there who wants to say there was a golden, so now we're the silver, bronze, whatever, platinum, fine. <laughs> we're, we're in an age, and we've been in an age. And the interesting thing about it is because of all of the wonders that came from it, so many people who learned to keep their heads down when it was about being a nerd, being a comic book fan, loving superheroes, you know, getting tired of hearing you're too old for that or grow up already and finding a community that says, Hey, you know what? Stand next to us shoulder to shoulder. We can all lift our heads up together. That community is turning around and saying, Hey, we got somewhere because we were doing these things together. We got somewhere because we raised our voices. Look at the voice of Gail Simone suddenly, you know, rising above the rest when she brought up what she felt was an injustice and uh, a wrong tactic for DC and Green Lantern and how a community supported and how change occurred because of that. Well, now they're taking that same sort of ability, that same sort of group power, that unified strength and saying, okay, we've built something that has thrived recently. If we wanted to have a future, we have to depend on each other. This map is such a great way to keep people connected, to let you know where you can still go and to say, hey, don't don't question whether or not there's an opportunity. It's right here on this map. Maybe it's not as close as you want, but if it's there, consider what this industry, what this community has done for you. And you have an opportunity now to give as much, if not more to help make sure it, it's going to be here when all this is said and done. Stop me before I rant again, Brad, please. Uh, yeah, you know, there'll always be comic book movies and TV shows. that That's cats out of the bag. Um, but without these independent comic shops, there will be no comics. So we all have to band together and save these stores that have brought so much to us over the years. Uh, you know, it, 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 whether it is things like gift certificates or ordering online while you can, these things are really important to save these stores. And the fact that they're trying to bring attention to these stores that are still open is a really, really good thing because they are such the lifeblood of, of comics and, and we need them. And, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta band together and save them. And I'm glad to see that that's, that that's happening. For sure. And uh, we also learned that uh, CGC, the comics grading company, is still fully operational, uh, even though I'm wondering how long that's going to be since they're in Florida and Florida finally got a shelter in place uh, order. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, on one hand, it does seem like they're they're really trying to encourage employees that can work from home to work from home, which is fantastic. 
Um, and I think right now it's, I it didn't set into me initially how widespread the impact on on people's jobs and actual source of income was going to be um, throughout this pandemic. And even just yesterday, I was, you know, on the phone with a friend who just kind of offhand was like, yeah, now I, I'm filing for unemployment. And I was like, oh, my God, you too. Like, it's it's such a widespread thing right now. Um, I think any company that's really pushing to keep their employees, keep things moving as much as possible, um, you know, and hopefully within those safety guidelines. And if you can stay at home, stay at home. If you can, you know, not work in your office, then don't work in your office. Um, yeah, so I, I think this is probably at least has been a relief to the people who work there for this time period. So hopefully as long as they keep it safe and if they can find a way to do most of their process remotely, that would be the ideal. Uh, Seth? I love a great story about a spark, you know, just something to help keep uh, that sense of life and fire alive. This is one of those great stories. It, it sounds like right now they're following all the appropriate recommendations and guidelines. They've added an enhanced cleaning and safety protocol. They've got people working at home. They've removed uh, what was a recently implemented contactless curbside pickup and drop off. All of these things are showing their ability to adjust with the progression of, you know, standards and guidelines that they're able to have people work from home and still provide this service and still provide them with an income. I think it's huge. I'm hopeful that it can last as long as possible. But Brad, as you pointed out, we're in a constantly shifting, very fluid sort of uh, environment right now. So for as long as it's able to, I'm glad to hear about great stories like this. People who are able to keep working, uh, keep an income, and also sort of break up the monotony that sometimes happens when you're stuck at home. How about you, Brad? Uh, yeah, I think that for these employees, any week that goes by where they don't have to file for unemployment is is a good thing. Uh, so, you know, as long as they can keep it going, uh, you know, and take the proper precautions, then it's really, it is a good thing for these employees. Um, but, you know, like I said, I just don't know. I just don't know how long it's going to be able to go on. Um, so maybe that'll be something that we talk about in the weeks ahead. But, um, you know, I, I, bottom line is that I, I am I'm just thankful that these employee, employees don't have to uh, deal with, with being unemployed. And uh, moving on, uh, we learned that the... Uh, Comic Hub temporary distribution system is not going to go forward. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? I think I'm going to put a positive spin on this, if possible. Um, this was another example of, you know, again, people within the comic book industry sort of trying to take the initiative to save what's been built. Um, so even though the the idea was shot down, it still shows that there's, you know, there, there's effort happening to kind of keep the, the cogs moving, to keep things going. Um, and hopefully, even though this was an idea that they decided not to go with, maybe this will then kind of put the wheels in motion for someone else to say, all right, well, this is why that wasn't going to work. But then what can we do that will work for us? What parts of this can we take and kind of think about? It's it, As long as people are putting ideas out there, things will keep moving. So, you know, it's unfortunate that this didn't work out, but I'm hoping that it will at least kind of, 
you know, like, like you were saying, Seth, spark that, that fire that will actually give us a method of distribution. Uh, Seth? I'm going to stick with uh, spark, right? Like, how is it they say in, in one project, you know, be the spark to light a fire. These things are our attempts to fumble through the dark right now. We're unsure of what around us is safe, is fuel, and there's no stars, there's no moon. We're doing our best to fumble around. We're looking for something that might work. What I love the most about this is what you were describing, which was the attempt, the try, and also where it came from. The idea behind the fact that these are comic book fans who want to do what they can to make sure the brick and mortar shops that have been uh, a haven for so many can still survive. And it looked like the this is going to save it all. And then it stopped looking like that. And right now we're back to uncertainty. But the fact that we're trying, the fact that we found a flint and we're, we're clicking them together and we're trying to get something lit. I mean, you know, it can look really hopeless until you finally get that spark to light a flame. So until then, if you can just remember to keep trying to make something work, something will work. Uh, in a lot of ways, some of the best comic book stories are about bootstrapping, about how, you know, somehow there was this way of figuring out a plan or a system. This one didn't work, but there's maybe some great kernels of ideas in there. There's potential to find a different way. And we still got hope, right? I'm still that guy who's going to say that. We still got hope. <laughs> we've done more. We've done bigger. We've done better. We've done greater. We've faced worse. So I, I have hope. And stories like this remind me that I'm not alone. Others are hoping. They're trying. Uh, Brad, how about you, my friend? Yeah, I think this is the hive mind uh, coming into play again because I feel the same way. Uh, it, it's so nice to see people coming together and at least trying because that's at the end that's what it's going to take we're going to keep trying until we find something that works so yeah it does give me a little bit of hope uh you know uh when times get tough it's heartening when every when you do see people coming together like this so yeah i think this may not have worked at the moment but maybe maybe there'll be something that uh the industry does figure out in the next in the next few weeks uh, until we can get back into those shops again. And one last story here, ending on a high note. Uh, DC Comics has donated uh, $250,000 to support uh, comic book shops in need. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? This is fantastic news. Um, yeah, I until I read this article, I had no idea this was happening. And it just, it, it kind of warms my heart because it proves that even, you know, we're, we were just talking about how fans are putting the effort in, but even all the way up to, you know, the big wigs at, at a company as big as DC, they're trying to do something to relieve things down the line. Um, yeah, this is, and, and also that Jim Lee is, um, you know, will auction off sketches and sort of try to keep this, uh, this fund to keep them afloat going. It's, it's really good news. It's really heartwarming. Um, and we can hope that maybe even out of just some friendly competition that maybe some of the other bigger publishers will also end up making, you know, huge donations like this. Um, 
yeah, so so we'll see. But this is really good news. Seth? I think this is really great news as well. I, I love that it, it really echoes what Brad was just saying, you know, in the last story at the end of that about how we can find ways to make things possible to find inroads or to simply band together and say, okay, what's in everybody's pockets real quick? Okay, pull out what you got. What can you live with? Here you go. DC is saying at the moment we have $250,000 that we're going to give and donate to the Book Industry Charitable Foundation. And we want this to help support the comic book retailers who we depend on as much as they depend on us. It's such a thoughtful gesture. I hope that it's a, you know, kind of a gauntlet thrown down that others who I'm not calling out any names Uh, But anybody else who wants to say, you know what, hold on, I think we can pull a little bit out of this one corner and, you know, make sure that we're matching or exceeding this initial offering because we know who it's going to and we know why it's happening. And this is our family, right? These are the people that are part of our community. Well, you don't let your community members fall, not when you have a chance to do something about it. This is a great story about DC doing something. I'm looking forward to following up with stories about others joining them. Brad, how about you, my friend? Yeah, yeah, I I echo that. Um, it's good to see that the industry is uh, coming together and DC is, is uh, doing their part to help keeping these places open. And uh, it, it's it's kind of good when these things do happen and it can bring out the better angels of our nature rather than the worst. So, and stories like this help highlight that that is, is a reality. So I'm happy to see that. And it just, you know, we're all in this together, so we got to help each other out. So, uh, you know, one day at a time and, uh, you know, we'll get through this and uh, we'll be better for it on the other side. So thank you, DC, for uh, doing your part. And that uh, wraps up another episode of the DC Comics News Podcast. Uh, You can find us wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher. So check us out and subscribe. Uh, Leave reviews. Let us know what you think. Uh, And Kelly, where can people find you? Um, You can find me. You can find me doing um, opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. And I'm on Twitter at KelGainsWrite. That's K-E-L-G-A-I-N-E-S-W-R-I-T-E. Seth? Yeah. Oh, right. I'm supposed to tell you where I can. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at the one more singleton. You can find me writing reviews and other content for DC Comics News. You can find me hanging out with these fine people on a mostly weekly basis. And uh, I like storytelling. So if you type my name, Seth, and the word storytelling, tell me what you find. Sometimes I say story. This time it's storytelling. Who knows what word I'm going to ask you to pair with my name next time. This week. <laughs> I'm going to get really interesting. Not as interesting as what Brad's about to tell you. Brad, how the good people find you, my friend? Uh, you can find me uh, writing news and reviews for DC Comics News, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And also, uh, I don't want to forget to remind everyone to check out our other uh, sister podcast, uh, I Am the Night, 
and Spinner Rack right here in the DC Comics News Network. So please listen and subscribe to those as well. And as always, something we like to say at the end of every show. Read. Read. More. <laughs> More. Comics. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I thought when you joined in with Kelly, I was like, are we doing this all at the same time? I can do that. All right, I'm going to jump in the middle, too. Wait, are we all doing it's it separately? It's the remix. Read. More. <laughs> <laughs> and follow the laughter down in Sanity Hole. Yeah. There's a rabbit. Yeah. All right, everybody. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>